Welcome to Judge Movie. Uh, I'm Judge Movie, the movie judge that judges movies based on their crimes against cinema. I'm here with cinema attorney Alicia Azumi, who's got a case for us today. What is it? Uh, hi, yes, today I'm bringing the case of The People versus The Razzies. Uh, the Razzies, or the Golden Raspberries is the full name, uh, are an annual awards ceremony um, that aim to recognise the worst films of the year. Um, but I want to accuse them of the crimes against cinema because I think they make lazy choices and shallow observations and they don't really bring anything to the conversation around popular cinema. They sort of position themselves as the anti-Oscars but never really live up to their title. Yes. Or live up to that standard. Um, so what is like a bad movie? I think what is a bad movie for everyone is, is, is quite an individual thing but for me it's when it's boring. Um, like I look at some of the films that I don't like and what seems to unite them is they failed to engage me. Usually I can excuse technical incompetence if there's at least something interesting going on. You know, I don't mind continuity errors or maybe things that don't quite make sense as long as it's kind of justified by something else that's interesting, like a weird performance or an ambitious theme. Um, so yes, it's boring and lack of ambition, I think. What, what, what's a bad movie to you? I think you're right. Like if a film feels alive, then even if the content's sort of questionable, then... Uh, there's at least something to talk about or it's telling you something about um, the world at large or, or about its sort of themes and um, yeah to me a bad movie is is, is something that's um, that doesn't have its own voice that's sort of boilerplate and um, sort of without direction and that's why I think a lot of the films that get nominated for worst picture and worst director especially in the early years of the Razzies which we'll get into are really sort of strange choices because it's like they're um, criticising people for having large ambition yeah and maybe they miss the mark a bit but they're not they should be rewarding the ambition rather than criticising it for not quite getting there yeah so let's talk about some of the films that have been nominated for um, Razzies for worst picture and for worst director because if you look at the worst director list in the first year that they ever ran, uh, you've got Stanley Kubrick for The Shining, you've got Brian De Palma for Dress to Kill, and William Friedkin for uh, Cruising, all being nominated for be- for worst director. Mm-hmm. I'd argue they're three like brilliantly made films, and I think mm-hmm. time's sort of gone on their side, even Cruising. They're divisive films, so mm-hmm. yeah, how, how do you think they can justify um, nominating something like The Shining? It does seem like a lot of the time the Razzies are making their choices based on audience assumption. So if audience expectations aren't met, a common reaction is like, oh, that's bad. So people might, I don't know, I can't remember what's public reception to The Shining at the time. Maybe there was a kind of... I guess confusion. Yeah, it's not like a normal horror film. So that was met with like, I guess, rejection and a Razzie. It just seems, yeah, it just seems crazy because it's, even if it's... um... Obviously, it's quite an unsatisfying movie in certain ways. I love it, but you can at least appreciate that there's like so much skill and detail in how it's put together. That mm-hmm. that's what I don't understand about it. Getting a Razzie nomination mm-hmm. for best for worst director. I keep saying best director. Um, <laughs> I think the say similar or the opposite of or mirror image of it could be um, uh, Darren Aronofsky getting a nomination this year for um, for Mother, where yeah. that's is a film with a lot of detail but I don't think it's delivered in a very skillful way so it's got a lot of stuff there but none of it sort of comes together I think even in in The Shining it has a similar sort of level of of stuff that it's trying to deal with without really dealing with 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and but but it's it kind of plays out in one sort of smoother sort of film than than Mother. But maybe that's that's with the benefit <laughs> of hindsight. Yeah, I mean, I disagree. I'd say people knock Mother a lot. But I think you can't disagree that it. I, I mean, I you can't criticize it as being badly directed. I think it's you know it's amazing what it does. He's just constantly moving around this house, but it's constantly changing set and design and you're trapped and I think you know the feeling of stress that's really palpable so I think it's really well directed I, think, I mean I guess, I guess in that case it's stressful because the entire movie is a close-up of Jennifer Lawrence's <laughs> face and that's how he kind of gets away with uh with changing the set so much um, but I'd agree that it's sort of in that category of like an ambitious failure mm-hmm. where which se- it just seems sort of mean-spirited to disregard those films yes um, yeah, so in Callum Marsh's article for The Guardian about the Razzies, um, he talks about how films that often get nominated for Worst Director and Worst Picture, big budget films directed by auteurs that kind of fail and don't do well at the box office, they're like a big risk. Well, I guess that gets <laughs> on to like, what, what, what should the Razzies be there for? Mm-hmm. Is it about our assumptions of what a worst film is? Or, is, or should it be to sort of lampoon Hollywood? Hollywood takes itself so seriously with the Oscars and pats itself on the back every year. So should, is this a way of sort of... Should this be a way of keeping them in check? Which, you know, by giving something like Heaven's Gate worst film, they're sort of reaffirming that. They're saying, like, you guys, you think you're so special, but mm-hmm. this is a disaster and we're going to really point it out. Mm-hmm. Even if something like Heaven's Gate has already been through that ringer, so it mm-hmm. maybe seems negligible to give them that award. But I feel like some of the films that they they reward or or uh, condemn condemn <laughs> are uh, don't don't quite fulfil that promise. So so their mission statement never seems sort of consistent with itself. Mm-hmm. Um, like giving like uh, something like Alan Smithy burn Hollywood burn the worst picture when that was such a sort of film that was played with disaster and creatively sort of bankrupt anyway. It wasn't like a big overblown Hollywood failure okay um, or, or giving it to the Twilight movies yeah they're not they weren't financial disasters they did well they're sort of critically yes like, it's interesting they do tie themselves very closely to the Oscars they take place the night before the Oscars um, and that could be a worthwhile pursuit to make fun of the Oscars but you're right they're not consistent with it um, they're kind of just taking a, any shot where they can so with the Twilight oh, it's a YA adaptation, oh, it's got a big teen fan base, yeah. let's criticise it, because obviously it seems, yeah, it seems kind of easy. And it's always, like, easy to just, like, poke fun at the teenagers. That was, like, such a thing at the time, mm. wasn't it? Like, how riled up Twilight fans would get. Mm. So, yeah, but it's it's an easy shot, isn't it? Like, yeah. um, I think they're a lot more interesting when their um, their targets are people that are nominated for Oscars in the same year. Mm-hmm. Um and there's some fun sometimes when like Halle Berry turns up to, she turns up to get her Razzie for Catwoman holding her Oscar. I mm-hmm. think that, there's something like nice about that that sort of draws them together. Mm-hmm. At least she's acknowledging like the silliness of it all. Yeah. But then, if the people behind it, I don't know if they, I don't know if they see it as silly in the same way. I feel like there's, there is that sort of just resentful uh, element there. Yeah, what well, so you're saying they're taking joy in in it. There's like a weird... It's not even like schadenfreude. They're just sort of... I feel like it, in a way it seems like a lot of sort of Hollywood like losers that 
bit bitter about other people's success. I hate to like say okay. that, but yeah, yeah, reading reading this interview with the with John J B Wilson, who created the Ra- the Razzies, there's just an element of um, I, don't, I yeah I, I can't keep coming back to it, like bitterness. It's okay. just and uh, I mean he has a hatred for Brian De Palma that I can't stand by and and watch. I mean De Palma got worst director nominations for Body Double for Scarface these are some of the best films of the 80s mm-hmm. like Scarface is a huge hugely successful influential film mm-hmm. as well as like how brilliantly directed it is and how well put together and entertaining it is and how it makes three hours feel like 15 minutes like it's just it's just sort of wrong mm-hmm. to to give it that um yeah, it seems sort of misguided, some of the, the choices. I think the Razzies are often telling of the time. A lot of their choices do seem to be based on assumed public wisdom and public reception. Like, people... De Palma wasn't that well-respected at that time. No, but his films were still, like, really, really popular. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's part of it, isn't it? It has to be a popular film that people know about, because otherwise it's no fun to make yeah. fun of them. I guess. I just can't... I can't understand how how Scarface could. I mean, it's, he just <laughs> takes out Oliver Stone's script and he kills it. Yeah, he they they, they like pulling people down after they've uh, ego sort of projects like Prince uh, doing Under the Cherry Moon, which is like famously not a very good film of his. Mm-hmm. Um, so they gave him a bunch of awards or the repeat offenders of giving Sandler like so many awards or giving William mm-hmm. Shatner a worst director. Like these are ego pro- ego driven projects, and mm-hmm. I kind of see why that would. Yeah, that's, that's like a target for the Razzies. The, yeah. yeah. So um, you're telling me the Razzies have an award for worst remake, sequel, prequel, or ripoff? Yeah, I think those sort of categories are a bit more fun. There's something like um, they're a bit more specific, aren't they? And and mm-hmm. um, like they do a Razzie Redeemer Award as well mm-hmm. for someone that's like made an effort to come back. And I think like, that's like a nice idea um even if they've given it to mel gibson recently yeah so they've only done the award four times okay uh ben affleck won the first year for uh argo and gone girl and i guess at the time it seemed like affleck was on his way back (laughs) um stallone all-time razzie champ i think he's the guy with the most razzies okay um uh but then he got his uh, oscar nomination for creed mel gibson won yeah for directing Hacksaw Ridge as a Razzie Redeemer. I'd argue Hacksaw Ridge probably should have been nominated for some Razzies. Yeah, that's interesting that they have a Redeemer Award. It's like they're acknowledging the change in public opinion by giving it an official award. Um, And maybe also covering themselves, they need to... uh... Oh, so like it's so like set on what the public thinks, this whole... Mm -hmm. That that's... Yeah. And I guess they've given those people... Razzies in the past. Yeah. But now they're winning Oscars and we have to. We can't. Oh, dear. <laughs> and I get that ties in as well with how they've now got this like Rotten Tomatoes sponsored award. Yes. For the So Bad That You Loved It mm-hmm. film. Which I think in a way is like... So like Baywatch won that. They've only done that once. Baywatch won. That's voted for by Rotten Tomato uh, users. Mm-hmm. Um, and of the nominees last year, which were like The Mummy, Fifty Shades. Um, Baywatch has probably had a very low box office and low um, Rotten Tomatoes score but was sort of just a sort of generically watchable 
like comedy movie and I think that it winning that so bad that it actually quite enjoyed it award is sort of an acknowledgement of that in some way mm-hmm. or an acknowledgement of the fact that their nominations are quite lazy <laughs> um, so last year the winner for uh, the Razzie Redeemer was a safe Hollywood haven from a history of Razzie worthy behaviour unfitting for an industry of artists to a safe Hollywood haven where talent is protected nourished and allowed to flourish with proper compensation which is sort of a Weird jab at me too. Do you think they're making fun of it? No, but I think it's sort of like saying that like, oh, there's already been change and like that's enough. It seems like a weird way of... Okay. um, How do you feel about that? Um, uh, Well, I thought it was sincere and I guess that's a nice gesture, but um, it is quite shallow of a gesture. But that's just the writers all over. They can't just really (laughs) launch into it. Maybe they shouldn't have just. Maybe they shouldn't have gone there. I I think that they the in memoriam section was probably enough, and like that was sort of spiteful enough. Mm-hmm. Where they just uh, their in memoriam section this year was just a load of images of uh, men that have been taken down by Me Too. Mm-hmm. I th- that was that was funny. That was great. Yeah, yeah, they didn't. Yeah, I don't think they needed this. We were talking about the uh, worst remake ripoff. Oh, yeah. So what do you think about? Um... Well, I think that award is based on the assumption that remakes are bad and but i think remakes can be interesting they can you know they can they're interesting art they can be interesting projects you know people remake shakespeare over and over again and it tells you different things about maybe it's new location it's new setting and you know these are worthwhile stories and they're interesting um so i don't think remakes are automatically bad they've also thrown in ripoff there and it seems like they're saying unoriginal original if it's not original that's bad but people, you know, loads of movies are remaking the same ideas and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah, it seems uh, kind of lazy. I, th- I find it's interesting that they've never nominated, say, Quentin Tarantino or um, Baz Luhrmann, who are both very popular for how they, or, or, or the big part of their style is how they remix other filmmakers and elements of culture into their own work. But yet, in 1998, Psycho, the Gus Van Sant version, did win that. So again, I feel like what's what are they trying to say with this award every year? Mm-hmm. Like, were they just nominating, giving that award to Psycho because everyone sort of shat on that film? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, underrated masterpiece. <laughs> um, is Psycho really a worse film than the Lost in Space remake? Is it really a worse ripoff? I haven't seen it's, either of those, but uh, yeah. I mean, does the Razzies really explore that question or just? Yeah, it's almost like a, award it. it's like they're validating the the very project of Psycho by giving it that award okay. in a way because it's so it's a shot for shot remake of of Hitchcock's nineteen sixty Psycho, uh, very few changes but it's in color with modern cameras and it stars Vince Vaughn, and it's it's an experiment in how you can make every single shot exactly the same thing but yet the tone is just feels different it just mm-hmm. it's just is a different film somehow. Um, so by giving it that worst that worst distinction, mm-hmm. you, it's like that's that's the conclusion of the experiment, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's not a film that exists to be good or bad or mm-hmm. anything. And maybe that was a problem with how they marketed that. Yes, but... I mean, I'm not sure how it was marketed, but I think just the idea of remaking Psycho with Vince Vaughn was enough to turn people <laughs> off. Yeah. Um, and then people automatically go to you know the thing. Oh, remakes are bad. Hollywood's run out of ideas. And they just want to make money rather than maybe really engaging with that film. 
But then do you not think the fact that they've done it so... Like, the fact that it's literally shot for shot, it's not It's not just like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake or something where it's just the same story and... Mm-hmm. But, you know, just but different. This is literally... They've gone to be as close as possible. Mm-hmm. So does that not even to, like, a common... Like, a, a layman, like... Kind of tell you that something's... Or someone that's familiar with the Psycho original? Um, possibly. I think that... I don't want to criticise the uh, the Razzie voters, but I suppose no, I do. I'm bringing them to court. I'm bringing them to court. I don't think they've even seen the movie some of the time. Yeah. Um. So Jack and Jill won the award for worst ripoff of Glenn and Glenda, the uh, Edward film about a crossdresser. But Jack and Jill isn't about a crossdresser. It's about two twins, and one of them's a woman who is played by Adam Sandler dressed as a woman. But it's not even about crossdressing. It's not a ripoff. Yeah, there's nothing in that story that's even yeah. about, like, yeah, it's about that at all. Uh, it's like they've just gone, here's a guy that makes, two guys that make bad movies, and he's also done a film where he's cross-dressing, mm-hmm. so that's yeah. enough, yeah. Yeah, I think the problem with the Razzies is just this aura of lack of research and lack of real care that they're putting into their awards that I think make them more meaningful. How do you get to be a Razzie voter? Uh, you can, you pay... Uh, fee to be part of the community right so there are some industry people from the industry but there's also a lot of just members of the public who want to be part of the golden part of the raspberry experience Um, so some other films that i wanted to just point out have nominations uh yeah i think a lot of these are like um ones with 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 sort of bad with with bad buzz around them heaven's gate rocky four is most people agree is like the best Rocky movie. Ishtar was a disaster. Now has this sort of reappraisal. De Palma's Bonfire of the Vanities. I mean, probably not his best. Indecent Proposal. Waterworld. <laughs> Batman and Robin. These are all sort of spectacular movies in their own way. Mm-hmm. Armageddon. Spice. Spice World's a great film. Yeah, I think so. What they all seem to have in common is that they're very high profile. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. I mean, I'm not sure why each of them sort of maybe didn't do as well as expected. Yeah. But that's, I think that is what they have in common. But maybe it's valid for them to, if they're like the really high profile ones, then they've got to bring those ones to to bear, right? Like, is it more, it's more valuable for the Razzies to, let's say, shower uh, awards on, like, films that were supposed to do well and didn't mm-hmm. rather than the, the the Adam Sandler ones that we know we know they're bad we know every time that they're going to be bad mm-hmm. but like um, something disastrous like The Mummy is is in ways like hurt Hollywood more than the Emoji movie okay I guess that's interesting it's it's what you were saying earlier about the Razzies criticising Hollywood it's like I guess yeah they're supposed to perform well and people aren't buying it they're disasters but then the emoji movie is like horrible sort of warning sign about where we're going isn't it so you can't ignore that in one way but then is it it's interesting what you say about the mummy like you're saying it's hurting hollywood and it was supposed to be this franchise launch a bit it's not going to be but i don't know if giving it a razzie is the best way to acknowledge that right there's this whole bit in the video when they hand out the awards where they're like Tom Cruise has been nominated many, many times and he finally gets his Razzie. Mm-hmm. Was he that bad in the moment? Like, I guess he did the screaming in that meme, didn't he? Um, 
yes in the trailer that was released without sound effects it's <laughs> yeah. just got tom cruise wailing in a weird way are they just giving him the award for that like um or... i think they're giving it to him because the film overall was seen as a failure yeah um, and he was supposedly really heavily involved wasn't he in the direction that it took I guess possibly. I guess, yeah, giving him worst actor is their way of acknowledging that. The Razzies have this habit of picking the same five films and then nominating them in every category. So you're saying The Mummy is this big commercial failure and then Tom Cruise gets nominated for worst actor. Um, Sophia Boutella gets nominated for worst actress. And it's like, was that performance wasn't what people talked about, but because it's The Mummy, she's yeah. going to be in that category. Yeah, I think they've sort of got to be you talked about performances in some way. Like, I love Freddy Got Fingered. It's one of my favourite films. But I, but uh, Tom Green's performance is so sort of out there and bizarre that, like, of course that gets a Razzie because it's that's what you go away from the film, like, thinking about. Mm-hmm. I don't think you leave the mummy thinking about um, either of those performances. Yeah. Like, you, you're thinking about the project as a whole rather than, like, that was just weird and strange. Yeah. Um, or someone that's like flatlining in a film like Henry Cavill in like in any of the Superman films. Well, I disagree with you there, but uh, yeah, you're right. They're not. They're not really getting in depth with their choices. Yeah. I mean, they would never, God forbid, criticize a perf- a bad performance in a good movie, which maybe they should. Yeah, I use I use the example of Eddie Redmayne who won for. Um, his performance in Jupiter Ascending, where he's like this sort of uh, Brian Blessed type in that film. He's like the villain. He's got this weird sort of pursed lips the whole time. And uh, he speaks like, there's another shot. It's great. It's really good fun because that's such a campy movie anyway, where you've got Channing Tatum on roller skates as a wolfman. Uh, it's so weird that it completely fits with what that film's doing. Um, and yet they gave him the award for that rather than the Danish girl, which arguably he should have been nominated for considering how offensive that is and how much it, it plays up to sort of um, trans stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's clearly not a very well-researched role. Um, and yet he gets the Oscar nomination for that. I think it would have been quite clever of the Razzies to also nominate him for, mm-hmm. for worst actor for the yes. same role. I think that would have... I think, yeah, I think the Razzies are afraid to really do something like that. I think the choices they make, they don't go against the grain of public opinion and then they're not, which would be more interesting yeah. of like what really makes a bad performance, what really makes a good performance. It would be a way for them to actually keep up with the times. Like they've done this sort of uh, the redeemer for Hollywood and you're saying that's quite a shallow uh, gesture. Mm-hmm. But then if they actually in the in the rest of the nominations really looked at what, where Hollywood was it would be a little bit more interesting oh another one I would say is uh, The Blair Witch Project was nominated for Worst Film oh, in 1999 wow. okay. which I found surprising because um, that film really did change uh Hollywood and sort of immediately did mm-hmm. um, in terms of how it was marketed online it was basically the first movie to really utilise like viral uh, marketing um, in terms of how cheap that film is and what return it got and um, it's just it's a classic of its genre it's amazing yeah, yeah. it's a great movie even if some of the acting's a little bit questionable I think you couldn't say that's the worst that's surely not a worst film contender yeah I know it winds people up but... um, yeah I guess in that film I'm not sure why it was nominated for Razzie I'm not sure what the public opinion that because I think people did 
like it did do quite well um i guess a common criticism is that the characters are very annoying and unlikable and the whole thing is just sort of too real and i think that's a common thread for Raz, uh, razzie winners um unlikable characters right um but that's sort of not every film has to be about likable people yeah and that's do you think that's why Sandler is like the perennial because he's never likable he's always such a yeah he's he's always so sort of yeah I think sometimes people think a film's failed if you don't root for the main character or if you don't like them yeah but not every film wants you to do that so that doesn't automatically mean it's bad yeah um yeah, people say that about Arrested Development a lot. Okay. That they don't like it because they don't like the characters. Mm-hmm. But it's, I don't know, it's its not not really going for that. Sorry. That's... Yeah. But I think I have, I've probably made that criticism of the film before as well. Sometimes that can just be a sign of where you're not connecting with the material, where you don't like the character. I think it's, it's where, like, where there's a story that seems like it's trying to make you... Um, sympathise with a character and it really doesn't mm-hmm. um, like something like the in La La Land like the plight of those two main characters like will they or won't they make it in Hollywood um, you sort of don't care because they just seem quite like privileged and nasty anyway um, I cared and, <laughs> okay well uh, I I feel like maybe, maybe there's a stronger example but um, but at the same time they uh, I do think the Razzies have, have honoured some of the worst films ever made. Like, worst film 2003, Gili. Worst film 2002, Swept Away. Freddy Got Fingered, one of the best films ever made. But a worthy winner of worst film. Battlefield Earth winning in 2000. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. like, terrible movie. Do you think having a Golden Raspberry helped those films? Um, works for the films? In a way, like with something, I think with these films when they're flops, like Battlefield Earth, it helps to like create this mystique around it. Like not only is this one of the worst films ever, but it, it was like no one, you know, it's this, it's mm-hmm. the it's the opposite of the Oscars. That's where it's like working, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Where it's like this is. I think the the Adam Sandler cycle is so like indistinguishable that giving that's my boy twelve Razzies as opposed to Grown Ups two, like what's the difference? They're sort of not. Mm-hmm. They're honouring the honouring the man, not the film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I yeah, I keep going back to how Freddie Got Fingered is is one of my favourite films ever ever, and I want to talk to you about is is that film a guilty pleasure for me or or is it like genuinely one of my favourite? Do I help me work out <laughs> where, how good that film is? Like. Uh, well, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's really fun. Um, but my definition of a bad film, it's not boring. Um, so, I mean, what what do you like about it when you watch it? It's just so zany and so, like, singular. And uh, each the way it sort of escalates the comedy of it in really uncomfortable ways, in ways where you're, like, not even sure if, if any of it was scripted or, like or if it's just it's, it's got this, such a spontaneous spontaneous feeling about it mm-hmm. that really i think is it's it's part of that time of like jackass and and the tom green show that sort of like mtv reality tv kind of thing mm-hmm. and it's sort of weirdly punk 
and it like not every beat of it works but Rip Torn's amazing in it and it's it just it just really works but like am I just blind to to its terribleness because I, I realise that people say it's like the worst film ever so it so what makes that is it a Do guilty pleasure? Do you feel pleasure? guilty? Uh, no guilt but like okay. maybe that's then my like shit eating grin you know like it's um no I mean I personally I don't believe in guilty pleasures I think mm-hmm. if you enjoy something you enjoy it genuinely um and you shouldn't feel bad for something that you enjoy I feel like then you can't start off going in straying into like this taste hierarchy of um maybe saying oh well, I love rom-coms they're a bit of a guilty pleasure but it's like saying why why are rom-coms not respected because people you know call say um people say chick flick in a negative way and i think that's sort of to do with mm-hmm. problems of gender hierarchy of yeah. taste um so yeah i don't think people should have well i don't know i think guilty pleasures is a weird thing i don't know why the things that we say are bad are necessarily like like the the qualities that make something bad are like bad qualities Mm-hmm. You know, like even if it's even if all of the elements in a film are like sort of disastrous in the way they come together, they still come together. So you can like talk about that or respond to that. Like obviously, something like The Room is like a really obvious, obvious film that like people just love because it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Like so, all of those elements have come together in a in a coherent way. Mm-hmm. Um, so how can you feel guilty about that? Like, how can you feel? <laughs> and that's that's why maybe uh, the Razzies should only be should, then should they just be awarding like the sort of more middle of the road, like the, just the boring films or the sort of ones that don't work on any sort of level or just kind of bland. Um, they could, but I don't think that would be as funny. No. Which I guess is, I think that's what the Razzies are going for. But then, like. So much of the, the Oscar bait is way less memorable than films that win Razzies for Worst Picture. That's true. Like, I probably would... Watching all the Razzie winners, best, Worst Picture winners, would be more fun than watching all the Oscar Best Picture winners. Yeah, a lot of... The, like, what, what do you want to watch? The Emoji Movie or Spotlight? Like, really? What's... I, th- I feel like there's a lot more you can get out of the Emoji Movie, even if it's, like, looking at what what horrible messages that film has mm-hmm. still far more interesting than the sort of generic like morals of, of Spotlight okay. do you think that's what the Razzies is about or is the Razzies about laughing at these movies what they've tried to do I feel like that might be where a lot of communal or bad movie culture is it's about laughing at them yeah what like not laughing with them not laughing with the emoji movie or like not like loving the emoji movie for what it is, even if what it is is bad. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, what What do you think about the sort of bad movie culture? At the moment, well, we've obviously got this sort of huge problem of Rotten Tomatoes and Cinema Sins that I think are really um, not doing wonders for the way that we talk about films. Um, putting everything in a sort of numbered score as everyone from Martin Scorsese down has attested to, it's just like sort of simplifying the culture and making it about like weird sports statistics and stuff like Cinema Sins, which is just like counting weird goofs or whatever, just Mm -hmm. isn't helping that at all. Um, 
so I just want us to go back to like talking about bad films in in ways that really get at what they're doing and that's mm-hmm. why I think that something like The Book of Henry should have been nominated last year because mm-hmm. that's a disastrous movie in all the best ways like you can see that that is a film that's really driven by its director and tells a well it tells a coherent story if, if a terrible one uh, but it's it is it's it's a, it's a film with a with a voice a horrible voice. It's like the it's the Florence Foster Jenkins of of voices, <laughs> directorial voices. But it's mm-hmm. it just I don't know. To me, it just says more than I, I, I can't even remember some of the ones that nominated last year. So. Okay, but it only made four million at the box office. Right. So is that maybe hurting its chances of winning a Razzie? Yeah, but it was it was really talked about a lot. And that's why it did so badly. I think it was so bad that that Colin Trevorrow got kicked off of. Like, was it? It was talked about badly amongst critics, rather than right as a, like a big news story. He surely talked about just as much as the Mummy was, though. Right. I don't know. Well, I guess the the Mummy was talked about in terms of the production, and uh, Book of Henry was talked about in terms of the actual content. Mm-hmm. So. These are all things that should be awarded Razzies, but... I'm really hesitant to talk about Bristol Bad Film Club, because I've never been... <laughs> but I'm, I, I personally, I don't like laughing at movies. I don't really find that fun. I don't like getting together with my friends and like watching a bad movie and then laughing at it. Uh, I think it's, it can be fun. Like this sort of communal aspect of like pointing out the weird things to each other and the discrepancies and just like why a character's doing these things. I think that's, that can be fun, right? Yeah, I guess. No, what's what 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 do you how do you want to watch a bad movie just by yourself with the lights off? <laughs> no, that's not fun either. Um, I know sometimes some bad movies. I, I it doesn't it feels mean like just when they're earnestly trying to do something and missing the mark and failing. Yeah, like with no self awareness. Right. But then the lack of self awareness is what makes it a great bad movie. I think like I guess the room people love that watching that because it's failings obviously. But what about stuff like um, the the uh, Will Smith Collateral Beauty, mm-hmm. where that's like, it's, it is really earnest, but it's also such like a vanity project by everyone involved and just so misses the mark of what they're trying to sort of achieve with that. That, that it's best when you're watching it with all your pals and you're like, what is Will Smith doing? Like, what mm-hmm. is, like, this guy was on such a peak and is now peak. But yeah, that's something. There's something a bit mean spirited, maybe. But then you just got to stop doing the Razzies altogether and only talk about good movies, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Do you think it's worth sort of celebrating and engaging with bad movies, acknowledging them? Yeah, I think it's as important as as the good movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I think a a really really awful movie or a, a half a star movie is as like rare as the five star film yes you're right they are something special yeah the one stars and the half stars um i, I always find myself arguing with people that only uh, say oh, i only want to watch good movies or i don't want to watch that but i think you can learn a, as much from a bad movie as you can from a good movie oh definitely if i think of like my letterbox ratings I've given so many more movies five stars than i have like half a star mm-hmm. so is there not something like something's like this has that's its own canon yeah Freddy Got Fingered and, and White Chicks and uh, Scary Movie 2 are like sitting in a very special like 
place. They're mm-hmm. in a, a cabinet somewhere. They're on display. You know, <laughs> there should be like a criterion for um, like awful movies. Okay. Like you give them like a really nice like box and treatment full of like. And then they all get the Hearts of Darkness behind the scenes telling <gasps> of why they're so bad. That would be perfect. Yeah. And like a new like the critic doing a, like a film historian doing a commentary. <laughs> A nice 4K restoration for white chicks. Oh, that would be so Okay, so what it's saying is Razzie's good idea, but not enough depth. What we need is the Shiterian collection. (laughs) Shiterian, yeah, exactly. That is, you've you've hit it. And they they still have the awards. Yeah. And the winner of Worst Film gets like a nice little, that's... That would be great, yeah. God. I feel like, yeah. I feel like there could be an interesting movie, a... documentary study of the emoji movie but i feel like that can only be done in hindsight okay like you need that distance that critical distance to really think about why something may have resonated with the culture in a certain way do you think that's part of its problem is because they're trying to immediately give these movies there's no there's no time for the film's reputation to develop mm-hmm. like so that's um, why you get like well, I mean, you know, Mother came out, it got a cinema score rating of F. That very quickly, that was all it was built on. It was built on, that's rep- it had a reputation. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the immediate reputation. In 15 years, when Mother's probably going to be considered like a cult classic. Yeah. Th- there's not going to be a film that anyone would say worst directed. Well, okay, it'd be a film that a lot of people would say worst directed, but like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it just won't, won't have such a violent sort of... And that's why the Razzies have... The Redeemer Award. True. They're trying to cover themselves with that. But are they making? Does that work though? Do you want the Razzies to be telling you when something's good? Yeah. Maybe that's the problem. The Razzies shouldn't be telling us that. They shouldn't be telling us what's good. Not only mm. what's bad. Yeah. Do you think we've now thought more about the Razzies <laughs> than the people that put the Razzies together have? Maybe I I don't want to criticize them. You know, it's their project. <laughs> Maybe. Why do I keep saying that? I don't want to criticise them. That's what I'm doing. I'm bringing them to court (laughs) for crimes against cinema. Uh, Oh, another interesting one is when they try and go political. Okay. Uh, So in 2004, all of their awards were um, given to Fahrenheit 9-11. So worst picture, Catwoman. But then worst actor, George W. Bush in Fahrenheit 9-11. Worst supporting actor, Donald Rumsfeld in Fahrenheit 9-11. Worst Supporting Actress, Britney Spears in Fahrenheit 9-11. Worst On-Screen Couple, George Bush and Condoleezza Rice, or his pet goat, very funny, in Fahrenheit. So, so Fahrenheit 9-11 is Michael Moore's documentary. Is it criticising Bush? Yeah, it's it's about how... Um, it's just about how they sort of used um, what, the 9-11 to uh, forge a war in Iraq. Okay. So, what's the Razzie saying by... Well, that was such like a time where that was all that was being talked about was the war in Iraq. Yeah. And that movie, Fahrenheit 11 is the highest grossing documentary ever. Yeah. One Palm Dora can uh, was like a huge sort of talking point at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly like Michael Moore is such like a big character and everything. Um, so I guess they're saying like, look at these pol- political actors or whatever. And they're the worst. He's the worst. Yeah. Bush. You're saying it's such it was such a big story at the time. It sounds like maybe they were more just trying to cash in on that. Yeah. Rather than rather than give worst actor to Colin Farrell in Alexander or Vin Diesel in The Chronicles of Riddick. Hmm. I guess they do want to be relevant there. 
or Ben Stiller, who got a nominated for worst actor in Along Came Polly, Anchorman, Dodgeball, Envy, and Starsky and Hutch in one one year. I wonder how that made him feel. I think he probably just like sat on all his cash and like. And he's good in Dodgeball. Yeah, isn't Anchorman really celebrated? Got a sequel. Hmm? Isn't Anchorman a very celebrated movie? It's, it's got a sequel. Yeah. I guess they're just saying he's bad. It doesn't. The, that didn't get any other noms. Um, I mean, Catwoman is really bad. That year, they did special worst of our first 25 years awards. Do you want to hear about that? Yes. Uh, so they had the worst Razzie loser and they gave it to Arnold Schwarzenegger because he had eight nominations okay. worst drama Battlefield Earth worst comedy Gigli so they only seem to have nominated movies that were like recently crowned worst film mm-hmm. so it's almost like they realised that like that these movies weren't as, a lot of these movies weren't as bad as they thought mm-hmm they did nominate Showgirls as the worst drama of the last 25 years, though. Mm. And, uh... Actually, uh... I actually watched Showgirls. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about um, this run of erotic thrillers winning worst picture for several years in a row, beginning with A Decent Proposal in 1993, Colour of Night in 1994, and Showgirls in 1995, and Striptease in 96, all winning worst picture at the Razzies. What do you think about that? Um, it's interesting, like, trend, isn't it? That, like, they're going against that. The 90s, early mid-90s is so, like, associated with the erotic thriller, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so... No, well, you you tell tell me more. Um, so I have written about the erotic thrillers of the nineties. Um, they're all neo noirs. They're all very erotic. I guess there's a it's gotten to this peak of relaxation of censorship and what you can show on TV. I'm sorry, what you can show on screen. Um, and it was a big trend, but now it's kind of died off. Arguably, with the air quotes failure of Showgirls, those the erotic thrillers kind of died off. We just have Fifty Shades and that's it. And that's also getting a lot of nominations yeah. from the Razzies. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I guess they're responding to that trend, which is what they do. But, I, yeah, I don't know why the Razzies are so keen to condemn I, erotic thrillers. I think because some of them are quite, like, ridiculous. Um, that's... It's like, again, it's an instinctive reaction. Like, in Body of Evidence, when... Uh, Madonna's dripping candle wax on Willem Dafoe like that's like that's fairly ridiculous and mm-hmm. like so they're, they're, they're yeah. just giving it that straight it's, it's again it's, it's just a shallow sort of I mean body of evidence is terrible but they're, they're still giving a shallow response to it and saying that that's the worst because it's I don't know I feel like there's a, a certain like puritanical American Christian thing going on there where they're just mm. like uh, lambast the movies that have that are sexy rather than the films that are really violent like they don't have a similar reaction in the noughties to the um, to the the torture porn cycle that's interesting yeah Um, other than uh, I know you killed me they never 
they never uh, nominate any of the like hostile sequels or a Serbian film Human Centipede. These are mm-hmm. really bad movies that don't get a look in at all. So is that because of their budget or because they're not talked about? But I feel like they they were pretty yeah talked about films. And yeah, they gave Mel Gibson the Redeemer Award for Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, which is very violent, from what I understand. Right, yeah, and also a very Christian film. Hmm. Yeah, I guess the Razzies, you know, they represent American culture. Yeah. In that way, that's interesting. I guess yeah, maybe they do have some value as representing audience tastes and trends. Yeah, I think so. Even if it is like you know, like we think of The Shining as being like this, like masterpiece, mm-hmm. or one of many in the Kubrick like catalog but to see that it would have been thought of as a worst director not not just nominated for worst film but specifically worst director as if like this is Kubrick's like fall or something he'd taken quite five years out since Barry Lyndon at that point so yeah it's a way of seeing that 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 it wasn't just just received as 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 that so we were talking about the Razzies and now we're gonna talk about Showgirls uh, which was a very famous Razzie winner um, it came out in 95 it was collaboration between Paul Verhoeven and John Esterhaz Joe Joe what did I say John uh, Showgirls came out in 1995 <laughs> um, it was a collaboration from director Paul Verhoeven and writer Joe Esterhaz who had had a really big success with the erotic thriller Basic Instinct so they're re-teaming for Showgirls uh, which stars Elizabeth Berkeley who at that point was best known for being on Saved by the Bell. Um, and in this film, she plays Nomi Malone, um, a drifter who arrives in Las Vegas to become a dancer. And it's kind of this familiar story about someone trying to break into the industry and the performing arts industry. And there's a lot of nastiness. Uh, this film is famous because it wanted, it was intentionally going for an NC-17 rating. So there's a lot of nudity and a lot of sex, um, and it was it was trying to be controversial. And it was about showgirls and trying to I think shine a light on the industry in Las Vegas and media as a whole. They took you to the edge. This time, they're taking you all the way. We take the cash, we cash the check, we show them what they want to see. It's not about fair. It's about power. You're a stripper. Don't you get it? I'm a dancer. What kind of reception did it get? Uh, so, Showgirls is sort of the quintessential um, Golden Raspberry winner um, because it's got such a reputation as like a really bad movie. Um, it won Worst Picture. It won Worst Actress for Elizabeth Berkeley, um, and was nominated for loads more, such as uh, Carl McLaughlin got a nomination for his memorable turn uh gina gershon and lynn tucci both got nominated for worst supporting actress robert darvey and alan ratchins were nominated for worst supporting actor so it's just racking up nominations um any combination of two people or two body parts in showgirls as worst on-screen couple paul verhoeven won worst director esther house won worst screenplay elizabeth berkeley won worst new star um, and it won worst remake or sequel as a remake of All About Eve. I would like to argue that all of those were completely unjust, and this is really a, one of the best films of the nineties. 
and um, one of Paul Verhoeven's most memorable moments of his career. Um, but I know that it's the first time that you've seen it. So uh, how did you feel about Showgirls? Um, yeah, so I watched this film for this episode. Um, I've been meaning to watch it for a long time because I'm a big Paul Verhoeven fan and Showgirls is so fascinating. It does really occupy such a interesting place in the culture. Um, when I was watching it, I it did it pretty much immediately strike me as a satire. Like from that first dance number, the dancing is so violent and so aggressive and unusual. It feels like this isn't trying to represent something real. It's trying to make you aware of it. And um, I did enjoy watching it. I didn't think it was boring at all or bland. And I even thought the performances were fine. Um, I think it does a good job of telling quite a nasty tale. It, it felt to me like it's a satire of the backstage musical. Um, so that was a musical cycle. Uh, it reminded me of 42nd Street. Have you seen that? So that's one of these quintessential backstage musicals from, I think, the 30s about... Um... <laughs> it's got some of Busby Berkeley's biggest numbers ever. Yeah. Um, uh, this is definitely like riffing on, on Berkeley like a little bit. But as you say, it's like updating it for the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, it's Ooh. definitely playing with those tropes deliberately. Um, how? What's your relationship like with the film? When did you first watch it? Um, so I only saw it a couple of years ago after having heard about it for years. It's just like, it was a film that you'd see in the like um, Radio Times or, what, or the, the Daily Mail, like uh, the TV listings with like a little triangle next to it which meant that that was one with nudity and it would normally be on at like two in the morning. <laughs> I always wanted to see it, but yeah. uh, I think because of its reputation, I'd never actually sort of bothered to see it. I remember seeing like the Adam and Joe um, like cartoon, like uh, they did like, they'd remake movies with toys. They did one of Showgirl. All of this stuff like misses what an awesome movie, what a really great film this is. Um, new, uh, Esther House's script is uh, one of the most vile like, aggressive pieces of, of, of screenwriting I think I've ever come across. Every character is horrendous to each other. The sheer volume of, of misogyny and uh, uh, women hating each other um, is is like quite uh, overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But Verhoeven has this certain sort of touch where he's able to like draw you into a scene and like pull you out of it at the same time. Um, so you've got these just elaborate, like incredibly put together sequences with the camera sort of glides around. The frames are always really packed mm. with characters rushing around. It's so alive, but every but everything that's actually happening in a scene is just bonkers. Like mm -hmm. the, no one reacts to anything in a normal way. Yeah, uh, you can tell that Esther House is just a complete cokehead. <laughs> like it's one of the most coked out films like ever. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think its its success is really off putting. Um, and that's part of why it's such a razzy favourite. Mm -hmm. But actually, if you give it the chance, I think it's it it is as you say, it's a really good satire of America, um, and a really good satire of Vegas itself. Mm -hmm. By just uh, unlike something like Leaving Las Vegas, which is purposely like showing you the grit in a very like handheld sort of way, this is like such a celebration of of Vegas, mm -hmm. and everything goes right for Elizabeth Berkeley. Yeah, well, to an extent. To an extent, yeah. yeah. That that you actually, it, I think it exposes the, the the system of it better than, better than something that's more obviously critical. 
Okay, yeah. Um, how else did you feel? So how did you feel about uh, the Elizabeth Berkeley performance? I I didn't. I thought her performance was good. Yeah. Um, you know, I believed her. I believed that character. I could follow her. She definitely, I think, has this charisma where you're quite drawn to her. You can follow through with her. Um, I do wonder if things that people don't like about her are just things that are inherent to the character, like her thrashing around style of dancing, her overreaction. She's like a hothead. She reacts to everything very dramatically. Like that's that's what the who the character is, and I think Elizabeth Berkeley delivers that well. So I wouldn't criticize her for what her character's like. I think she does well with that. I think I saw like a. Um like a Q&A with her and Behoven, like re- okay. doing the film at the Lincoln Centre or something. And um, he talks about how she was one of the best actors he'd ever worked with because mm-hmm. she was literally doing everything that they wanted, like perfectly. Mm-hmm. But it's just that what he wanted isn't, obviously isn't something that the audience has wanted. And yeah. That's why she's considered like bad in it. But like, mm-hmm. it is a great performance. It's really versatile. And yeah. she plays a lot of shades of like quite a difficult character, really, when mm. you think about what nasty screenplay it is yeah um i think as well like if you look at it as part of esther house's like work it's he started off doing flash dance i think that's his first screenplay mm-hmm. so this is again like the logical extension like the end point of flash dance this is, yeah this is him getting to do the ultimate screenplay that he wants to do and the way that it it's incorporating elements of all about eve rather than being like a terrible rip-off it's actually like paying tribute to that and and sort of i don't know playing with that 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 genre well i think yeah absolutely yeah it's it's definitely invoking familiar tropes from musicals where you've got the small town girl who's got a lot of talent but maybe she's a bit rough on the edges um and then she breaks through to the industry the lead star um has an injury that means someone has to replace her you know these are story beats that happen not just in musicals but other genres as well like sports movies or like in the office or in the army you know those kinds of movies it's a familiar story and that's not to say this and films a cliche it's like deliberately invoking it's, those story it's part beats. of what it's yeah. about isn't it it's like when uh when she does push um gina gershon down the stairs and gershon's like well how do you think i got to where i yeah. am it's like it's it knows that that's that's the trope doesn't it yeah. it's not pretending to be anything else yeah um i think it's also fun how uh you've got the sort of sleazier club that she starts off in um, where uh, you've got the sleazier club that she starts off in where Robert Davi works and um, he's just sort of terrible um, and Lynn Tucci as well they kind of become like the surrogate like parents to mm-hmm. her who let her go to the um, the bigger club with and then they reappear later on with yeah. this sort of weirdly cheesy scene yeah, it's very poignant. It actually, because it's such a familiar trope, it reminded me of the scene in Great Expectations <laughs> where, you know, Uncle Joe visits Pip when he's living in London. Yeah. And it's so awkward between them because they're just not in the same class anymore. It's exactly like that it's, scene. It is, yeah, yeah. And then um, the club owner says something like, must be weird when they don't come on you. And like that, he <laughs> yeah, delivers it. Yeah, yeah, that's it how he ruins it. Yeah, yeah. He's like, delivers it if it's super poignant, but it's it's really gross and sleazy and it's, it's yeah, it's yeah. a crazy moment he's only hit on her before that scene every time you see them together he's like yeah verbally abusing her yeah and then so when he sees her again it's like yo you're my cherub and he's like stroking her chin it's perfect like 
Um, I think there's a lot of like a sort of li- more literary references in it. Like um, mm-hmm. it's playing with like dangerous liaisons as well with the sort of um, oh, yeah. the relationship with Gina Gershon and um, Carl McLaughlin. Carl McLaughlin. Yeah. Um, like how they're sort of like toying with how who's going to be able to sleep with her and how can we mm. like and they're using that as a game between each other yeah um yeah i think that's example of just how every character is just very immoral and has these very selfish goals and i think that's what put people off yeah but obviously i mean that i feel like that's part of the film but people maybe aren't engaged don't like that about it I, I yeah i'm not sure why the reception of it is so bad i mean not it it doesn't like it's it's not like a perfectly like functional movie like some of the or or it's functional but like it doesn't always come together like um the scenes like when uh, mclaughlin like confronts her with her like real identity mm-hmm. it's like that has to come at that point in the screenplay but the way it's delivered is so sort of at least over the top again and mm-hmm. like I, I guess you, in a way, you have to like want something that's so over the top that it's gonna drive through into something else. Mm-hmm. Like you're a massive Douglas Sirk fan, <laughs> so like of course it's on your wavelength. Yeah. But for someone that's not like attuned to that sort of rhythm, like mm-hmm. maybe you're gonna just see it as cliche ridden. Yeah. But then, yeah, it, 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 even if you even if you take it as that, like it's just so spectacular. The cinematography is incredible. I don't think he's ever mm. shot a film better than that one. Mm-hmm. Um, just the use of color in it like it's not just like vegas color it's like sections of the screen are uh, uh, are massively different colors that are all interacting in a really weird yeah. way and the way he moves the camera is just so graceful it's like mm-hmm. it's really well put together mm-hmm. um, it's interesting yeah because i guess what he, verhoeven makes people often say verhoeven makes exploitation movies but on a hollywood budget Um, And they do look very classy and they do look beautiful. And it's similar with Basic Instincts. It's like got this kind of story. But then when you're watching it, it feels like at odds with itself. Yeah. He's always about that tension, isn't Mm. he? He's always like asking like what the Hollywood film even is and like Mm -hmm. why why would you make it and stuff. Um, And I guess that's why he works so well with the Esther House because those screenplays are just so like out of this world but mm-hmm. like very scene literate I think that 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 works with what Verhoeven tries to do mm-hmm. like every Verhoeven film is a is a parody or a pastiche of of another sort of style of Hollywood filmmaking isn't it mm-hmm. um, yeah I know you've written about Starship Troopers I wanted to ask you how Showgirls compares with Starship Troopers it's it's almost the same film Mm -hmm. like people took Starship Troopers when that came out two years later in 97 as a um, sort of proto-fascist like screed like this this sort of um, so Starship Troopers is is set in a future where um, an an authoritarian uh, government sends um, people from Earth to fight um, bugs in outer space and the bugs are clearly supposed to sort of represent um like Gulf War era Middle Eastern people and uh the earthlings are like Americans um but it wasn't even though now I think that seems like clearly that's a satirical kind of idea mm-hmm. um at the time it was really taken at face value and it got awful reviews it was a massive flop yeah um, I guess yeah people took its jingoism at face value and just said this is just a schlocky pro-military movie yeah but- People just thought it's the biggest action movie of the year and therefore it's 
you know people people took it the same way we'd take like transformers now mm-hmm. which is weird when you consider that Verhoeven had made Robocop and, and Total Recall and films that were considered mm-hmm. like subversive in some way. So how how would you miss that is what, mm. what I don't get. It's like people were just so wrapped up in the idea of, oh, a film that depicts Nazis as Americans it must be a Nazi film itself. Okay. Like It's like uh, the critics wanted to make the point about, the, about Starship Troopers that Starship Troopers was already making. Mm-hmm. Um, and I th- and I think it's sort of the same thing with Showgirls. I think uh, Showgirls isn't quite as successful, like it, uh, 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 making the audience realize what its targets are. I don't think mm-hmm. because the the sex scenes are just so they're so stupid, aren't they? Like when when she first consummates with Karma Glocklin in uh-huh. the swimming pool. Yeah, um, it's just like I don't know. Yeah, it's unusual. <laughs> I wonder if people thought, like, when people see nudity on screen, they think its intention is to be arousing and sexy. So they just assume if it's not arousing and sexy, it's failing. Like, I feel like the nudity in Showgirls is, like, presented garishly and the sex is presented in this kind of almost grotesque way. Yeah. But people, I mean, do people just read it as a sex scene? I think so. It's it's like it's it's very de-eroticized, isn't it? It's like mm. seeing like naked, like like in some like Bosch painting or something. When you'd see like naked people being like murdered, it's that kind of feeling. It's not arousing at all, is it? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it was the same with Basic Instinct because that was such a that film is like hot, makes you hot under the collar or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was from the director of that. Here comes one that's even more sexy. Yeah. Um. I feel a bit bad that we might be just criticising audiences for misunderstanding some classic. Do we sound like elitists? Probably, but I think that I think that we have to do that to like get this film the reputation it deserves. Because even now, like it it isn't it, it it's cla- its reputation is still like even if it's not like worst film ever made it's still like oh we gotta sort of be tongue-in-cheek about how we appreciate this and the screenings are like quoting the the like worst bits and stuff but there's a lot in the film beyond that mm-hmm. um yeah i'd say its reputation is recovering now um you know there are critics that talk about it it's quite common for people to talk about it as a satire but i think it's still under the shadow of it's kind of Razzie era reputation yeah. I mean, everyone's got AIDS and shit. <laughs> That's a quote from Showgirls. <laughs> yeah. <it is. laughs> um, yeah, so I just found it, like, it's of a piece of with Verhoeven's other films, especially, like, L, in that, like, there is this sort of constant threat of violence in, like, every scene. Mm-hmm. Like, um, obviously it does, like, that happens later on in the film with um, Nomi's best friend. Mm-hmm. Um like everyone's motivations are just clear throughout mm-hmm. because you know that everyone just wants to fuck her and mm-hmm. like that there is just this constant threat that like anyone can turn and like anyone can mm-hmm. anyone any, you know and that i just found it like terrifying but also like um yeah just explored it quite well yes um yeah i feel like 
my reaction to the film is that it is quite upsetting. Like, I did enjoy it, but a lot of the time it is just kind of an unset- upsetting, unpleasant movie for that reason. And I don't know if people can find it easy to laugh at it, or like maybe taking that threat of violence for granted. Like, that's just normal, maybe. They're not right. seeing that because that's just... Yeah. Maybe it doesn't register as, like, this is scary. When um, she first meets the agent for the main hotel who yep she's dancing and he's like come here that that scene was terrifying to me because you don't actually know what what who he is or where he's just appeared and he's like mm-hmm. giving her this promise of whatever yeah and then as he's leaving he like slaps some girl on the ass mm-hmm. and then she's like you can see her considering whether or not to take his um his offer mm-hmm. and now she turns another guy just yells at her like i want to see you naked or something mm-hmm and it's just like this is everywhere she's literally surrounded in this world by that Mm -hmm. um and yeah as you say it is upsetting but he doesn't the home doesn't linger on these things it's just all part of the world that he creates yeah i guess it's important that she doesn't really take any shit she's like i mean it'd be quite easy to be in that world and be just upset all the time but she's not that kind of character um she's quite an active protagonist I thought it was significant that like they she's not like the she's a newcomer into the the place but she's not like a newcomer into like she she doesn't have to learn how to dance or anything yeah she's already very talented so you get other characters like penny Mm -hmm. um as the the sort of audience cipher in that respect as someone who's like less yeah like obviously talented um or even just familiar with that world yeah um so in the film, Nomi's best friend, Molly, played by Gina Verreira, um, in the third act, she gets uh, raped by her pop star idol, who she loves. And then it's kind of swept under the rug because, you know, he's a big star and it would just mess up the Las Vegas scene if, if they went to the police with it. So, Oh, yes. So um, with that character, Paul Verhoeven said that every character in the film is completely immoral, apart from Gina, who... Sorry, apart from Molly, who, uh, you know, she tries to do the right thing a lot of the time and she's really nice, but she's the character that gets punished at the end of the film. Right. So I feel like that's part of... Part of what he's doing. Yeah. So why why does she get punished? Just for not... Because she's not nasty enough for this world. (laughs) That's such like a bleak uh, vision. Um, because Verhoeven's really like interested in like Christ he's like obsessed with that like Mm -hmm. called Robocop like the American Christ and do you think Showgirls has this sort of like rebirthing kind of thing going on in it I don't know I mean she arrives like from fully formed doesn't she yeah but she she's very private about her past and then she leaves again she completely abandons everything yeah so is that her rebirth but she doesn't really I I do think it's interesting this is sort of feels like a rise and fall movie but there is no fall she just keeps going yeah um because this is what it looks like when you do succeed at the american dream it has to be incredibly violent and nasty and it's kind of crazy yeah and you also have to like be a perfect sort of person in a way like she doesn't really like is she immoral like what what actions does she take in the film that are like counter to what the audience would like accept as like morale, general morality like, um she does push china gershon downstairs i guess so but like, that's yeah 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 that's her break from 
morality but then is she like redeemed by getting revenge later on maybe i feel like when the gina gershon character says it's okay that's meant to like make that action okay right yeah yeah in a kind of ridiculous way as if that does make it okay what she did because <laughs> that's just the cycle of the star yeah. but then because this is a movie where nothing anyone does or says makes any sense yeah. it's like um but yeah no it's to- it's definitely like as with all of his films it's like or all of his american films it's it is just criticizing like how we watch and receive stories and what we think that they're telling us to to do mm-hmm. and how to be um and the fact that the razzies just missed all of that is a real shame but then maybe without its without its cult of such a bad film it wouldn't then rise again into um the masterpiece that we now mm-hmm. can accept that it is uh, uh paul verhoeven was actually the first person to go to the, the razzie award ceremony to a sector's award um which i think is quite a brave thing to do it's great when when the celebrity's kind of embracing that definitely and that seems like that's a verhoeven-esque thing i feel like the razzies are almost like the uh, paul verhoeven he's like made for them right sure like because they are like sending up american like rituals and and stuff wow so he's like completely embracing it yeah that's great yeah and he's like i'll be like christ and like (laughs) wear my you know crown of thorns Mm -hmm. so what are you going to vegas for you gonna win i'm gonna dance There's a spot open in the chorus line. I think you should try out. I got an audition! The Dodge movie. What's your verdict on the Razzies? After much deliberation, the Razzies are going to be sentenced to to a long time. I'm giving them a, a, a lifetime sentence in, in prison. They're going straight to movie jail. They haven't really done anything of recent in recent years to aid film culture to push it into any sort of new space or to um, really shake things up at all and so they need to go away for a long time and think about the crimes that they've committed such as calling Showgirls one of the worst films of the decade and they need to come back possibly in the form of the Shiterion and actually think about what being a bad film is in 2018 and how you should really talk about these things or talk about being a bad film um, and until they do until they start uh, looking at your book of Henry's and your snowmen uh, and sort of forgetting that Adam Sandler is is a necessary evil in some <laughs> respect then um, they're, they're gone get out of here Oh, so, hey, so I've been in my chambers for so long that I've kind of missed uh, what's been going on out, outside of the chambers. So mm-hmm. what's, what's, um, what's, uh, what's new in the, in the court world? Well, we have a new court clerk. What? Yep. Um, if you thought this episode sounded a little, a little smoother, a little slicker, that's because we have a new editor. We have Lex uh, Ramsey, who's helping us out. Shouts out to Lex. Yeah, we're very happy. So, um, yeah, he's joined the Judge Movie team. Welcome to court. All right, so I've got a big stack of cases here. What do you think we need to cover next? 
Um, so next, I think we should think about how people watch films. Um, there's a lot of debate about whether people should watch films in the cinema, only in the cinema, or, you know, it's okay to watch Netflix at home. Is it? Is it? We'll be answering that question next week. See you in court. Yeah. Uh, we'll also be discussing Cinema Rediscovered, which is a film festival here in Bristol, um, which is really encouraging people to watch old films, classics, rarities in the cinema. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. In the meantime, uh, where, can, where can you find us? Uh, you can find us at Judge Movie Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Or email us at judgemoviepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know where you think people should be watching films, um, how they should be watching them, and maybe if you disagree with the judge's verdict on the Razzies, maybe let us know. If you're a madman. (laughs) Or a mad person. Yeah. Cool, so you'll hear from us next week. Till then.